The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from San Luis Obispo, it's the Knapsack Files on the road. I'm Ken Knapsack, and I'm here at the San Luis Obispo Little Theater. San Luis Obispo Little Theater, located downtown in the happiest place on earth. And now it's even happier because I get to see your smiling oh, face. The guest you're hearing is Mr. Kevin Harris. I'm going to put the Mr. in front of it as a sign of respect before we tear down your life. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. We'll add the Esquire at the end of the Absolutely. podcast. And you are the Managing Artistic Director? I am. I wanted as long a title as possible, and after much lobbying, I got it. That's a good idea. That, on your business card, that fit on, well? On my business card, on my ankle tattoo, on all of them. <laughs> Uh, a lower back tattoo. Uh, I love. I, I'm so happy to finally be in your office and your theater. Uh, growing, growing up in this hometown uh, of mine, I never actually set foot in here. Oh my gosh! So this is an honor because I've seen now two pictures of Vince McMahon. That's right. I like to surround <laughs> myself office. with the best. Remind people what's up quickly. How did how does uh, Vince McMahon end up in a uh, theater director's office? Well, when I first got here, the theater had a lot of. Uh, uh, crazy characters running in. It was a little bit of a poison environment. And so I figured the best way in order to get people in shape was to let them know as soon as they walk into my office that I'm surrounding by someone who has faked his own death more than once. <laughs> Just to remind them that I'm willing to do that at any point. Have you have you yelled, you're fired! <laughs> yeah, not yet. <laughs> When did you become the uh, director over here? Uh, five years ago. Five years yeah, ago. Yeah, just had my five-year anniversary. Does that make you, how does that make you feel? Grown up? It makes me feel really grown up. It's the longest job I've ever had. It, it, it lasted longer than high school, which is weird. Right. I mean, I'm almost 40 years old, and I still I still think of time in terms of high school yeah. timelines, yeah, right, which right. is screwed up. I, I don't think of the year running from January to December. I think, no. of, I think of it as September to August. No, and I get pissed off about every June 15th. I'm like, oh, man, what? What's the deal? I still have to go to work for three months? This is the worst. <laughs> That's how it works. Now, Kevin and I uh, went to high school together at Royal Grand High School. You were uh, a year ahead of, of me. That's right. And I didn't know you too much in high school other than you were kind of uh, a celebrity within the drama department to me. It was like, oh, that's Kevin Harris. That guy. That guy's. That, that's it's Kevin Mr. Harris. It's Mr. Mr. Kevin Harris. Mr. Kevin Harris. That's why, probably why I still call you that. That's, that makes um, sense. But we had a, uh, a, a kind of a reunion of our own and get to know each other a couple years ago at yeah. a Chili's bar on a Friday night. We sure did. <laughs> we sure just, did. Where you want to spend your Friday nights is Chili's. It was quite an evening. We were on the patio. We were on the patio. Which is a little bit, it's a little bit classier. We had the, we had yeah. the patio to ourselves. We ordered some, uh, I remember I ordered a Jameson's on the Rocks um, and uh, the waiter, it was like, whoa, what do we got, Mr. Bond here? <laughs> I know you probably used the to The waiter was pretty sassy. And then I ordered all the beer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and by the end of it, we were so uh, in in a deep conversation about life, the universe, and everything that no. I, I actually think it inspired me to start this Knapsack Files podcast oh because this goodness. is where I come to talk about uh, growing older. That's great, and accepting my failures. <laughs> uh, you started that. You started. It was, a, it was a reminiscence fest. I remember we were standing outside of the gated area. Of Chili's, because yeah. at that point we'd reached the point of inebriation where we were no longer, we, we felt that it was not good to be on the actual Chili's proper. <laughs> and we were actually standing outside we were, looking at the Walmart, looking at all these buildings, yeah. and we had the talk of, do you remember when all these were just 
fields. I used to hit golf balls at the back of that movie theater. You could see nothing for days and days. And I remember now you uh, now you have this job, which is an official. Kind of, my my day job is a mm-hmm. very, it's a director of security at a mall. Right. And you've got this title. It's a good title. It's a good title. Yeah. Your, your title. I would like good. to put those letter to letter. See which one's longer. <laughs> Do it. And uh, you're a father of two. Um, mm-hmm. So that makes you infinitely more responsible than I am. Well, well, and I remember we were talking about growing older then, and no. uh, you looked at me with, a, uh, I think, a ciggy in hand, uh, <laughs> drinking the other, and you're like, isn't it funny how uh, it turns out exactly how they warned you? <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, oh, yes, this old age thing. It's the worst. Everyone sits down and tells you when you're 18. Yeah, repeatedly. <laughs> This is going to happen. Repeatedly. They this can't wait that. Have, have you gone on to tell anyone else? Um, yes. Have you had some lectures my, for people? Yes. My employees average uh, 18 to 22. Oh, man. And they're young men full of piss and vinegar right. and all the plans in the world. I'm like, let me sit you down. And you probably wear a suit, too. Uh, and a tie. Yeah. And all right. Sometimes even a uh, little uh, little uh, pocket square. So you have so you have the outfit suitable for and, lectures. And look at this beard. It's all white. <laughs> right. All white. Right. And I'll sit down and tell them like, hey, uh, you know, this is this is X, Y, and Z. It's gonna happen. Right. And I see the looks in their eyes that I gave others. Doesn't go so well. Uh. Uh-uh. Doesn't uh-uh. go so well. Because they'll never they'll never wind up like you. No. No, no. one would ever wind up like you. No. No one. They look at me like you failed. Right. <laughs> I don't intend to fail. <laughs> And here I am. Um, and, but but how? And you, we I think was a part of the discussion we had. Mm-hmm. This is a great gig, though. You you went out to Iowa right. to learn to uh, do theater directing. Right? Yeah. Am I recalling that correctly? Yes. Yeah. Went out to Iowa for grad school. And graduated in two thousand seven. And why why Iowa for theater? I, I connect that for me. Well, I had two kids at the time, and I uh, was looking into a bunch of different grad schools, and a lot of the the best ones were in cities. And my wife at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, we knew that, that we didn't want to raise two children in a one-bedroom or two-bedroom apartment in the middle of the city. And Smart. so Iowa had a great playwriting program and wanted to work with playwrights focusing on original work. And we knew we could afford a house there and, and have a, a nice life during grad school, which is, which is great because if you're going to live on student loans anyway and go tens of thousands of dollars into debt, right. you want to be happy. You want to be able to drive a, you know, a nice right. Dodge Caravan while you do it. See, that is a very responsible decision. Though. I'm all about I got responsibility up the ass. <laughs> Did you always? <laughs> I found it there. The doctor uh, found it there in my first physical. <laughs> Which, mine at 34. Yeah, 34? The first, the first, That's not bad. 34, the doctor was like, all right, this is it. I, I had to get a physical. I remember I had to get a, my first physical was because uh, I was playing water polo in high school. Uh-huh. And they make everyone, you know, go right. through that first physical. And I went, all right, that wasn't so bad. And I figured it would be an ongoing thing. I would get one at 18. I'd get one at 19. Right. And then I didn't get, didn't get one till around the same age you got yours. Yeah. It just, it, years go by. So we're already talking about fingers up the, uh, the, the, the that rear there. How did, how, how did that happen? Old, old men talking about that, but that's nope. where they found your responsibility. This is true. So you're, you're that's in, you're story. in Iowa. And I, I, now that makes sense to me. I, I mean, I get, you know, you don't have to go to UCLA or USC to learn film or theater right. or anything like that. I get it. I'm certainly not implying that. It just I always mm-hmm. was wondering, like, that was a weird uh, choice. But but now it makes sense. Yeah. Like, that, that was their focus. You go there and learn there. And then and then how soon do you come back and take this gig? Well, right after I uh, graduated there, mm-hmm. I stayed uh, stayed after to, to direct a couple plays in and around Iowa. And at that point, my marriage was falling apart, <laughs> which was a great, great way to live in Iowa. 
And, uh, much, and how much is that to blame on Iowa? Well, the winters there are cruel. They are cruel. They are they are cruel to marriages. They are cruel to intimacy. No. Okay. Yeah. I think just, they cult, the cult. Okay. Okay. I have a problem taking responsibility. No. No, it's true. No. You, okay. Maybe. You made a good decision going to I did. Iowa. And, okay. okay. I so, did. So you're there. Things are. Yeah. Things are not going so well. And then, and then when the marriage ended, you know, mm-hmm. we've been married for about ten years, and and we do what people do when they have a couple of kids and they don't yeah. know what the hell to do with their lives. We decided to move back home, kind of yeah. get everything together, settle down, figure out what the next step is. And so I was around here for uh, eight months, substitute teaching. It was a real, right. real sorry time. And I happened to go out with <laughs> Hi, one kids. Of, uh, I'm here. You're teaching today. Kill me. Kill me. Kill me. Now. Get married. Let me tell you about Iowa. And that the substitute winters. teacher had a whiskey. <laughs> Man, I was one gigantic walking whiskey at that point. <laughs> Don't taste my tears. And I, I actually went out to, to breakfast with. Um, one of our old teachers. I don't know if you ever had Miss uh, Miss Smee, and then her name was Miss Richardson. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she was the speech and right. debate coach. I, right. I didn't have her directly. Long story. I didn't. I refused to join the debate team despite Mike Lebo placing me on. There. Really? I actually against side story. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was high school, junior high ended. I was a speech. Uh, I had won a few. Uh, championships or whatever the hell they call trophies them. On the trophies on yeah. the wall, which are lost to me now. Um, just my memories and my past glories. Um, <laughs> and I refused. I was. I have a problem with doing what I'm supposed to do in life. Right. Uh, uh, it's my responsibility. And yeah. I got my schedule, and I was on the. I was on the speech debate team. And for, I think my junior high, uh, Mike Lebo, mm-hmm. put me on there. Right. Against my will, I was drafted. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I didn't have her directly, but I know who she is. And, and you refused to do it. I refused because refused. why? have a path of success why not meander through life i hate it when people look out for you and try to put you on the right path you're right <laughs> what asshole did you let me fail to the middle <laughs> please please so you're talking to miss me yeah wondering what you know I, yeah. I knew she'd been she'd been through a couple divorces and i was wanted to talk to her about that yeah. and she happened to be on the board at the little theater at the time okay. and she said you know we, we have this uh we're looking for a new executive director at the time is this something that you would be qualified to do? And I, I, I remember sitting at the girls' restaurant, which is this total shithole in Royal Grand. And my God, it closes at five. And, and side story: I went in there a couple years ago because I had these uh, a couple years ago because I had this good memory of being there with with Janine. And I walked in, and apparently that memory had had completely romanticized what that place smelled like. You ever walk into a restaurant and it just smells like old people? Yeah. <laughs> and you wonder how do people. For those, here. The girls' restaurant for those—it's a staple in our in a Royal Grande where I, I grew up on Grand Avenue. If you've ever walked into a Denny's and thought this is not depressing enough, <laughs> go to girls. It was terrible. So you're there. Terrible. We're there, and uh, and she said, "Would you be qualified for this?" And I, I looked at her, and I'm like, "That is." literally about the only thing on earth that I would be qualified to do. <laughs> that's that's it. That's so she it. just happened to, to nail it. Yeah. And uh, I interviewed for the job. I didn't think I'd get it. And I got yeah. it. And five years later. Were you at the time... So you're early 30s at this point, right? Yeah. At the, were you... I, I think... For guys like us, that's that's still viewed as uh, kid time. Like, yeah. Uh, how can I get this job? I still like video games. There's Most definitely. Buy comic books. Yeah. How am I gonna, how am I going to work in all my margarita <laughs> drinking and Galaga yeah. playing to this work schedule? But back in the day, thirty three, <laughs> like if you weren't uh, working uh, hard forty, no. those yeah. are the people that give you lectures. Right. Right. Growing up, it's like, oh god, that guy's thirty. How is his life must be over? Um, 
So you were were you up against like older, more experienced people, and that's why you didn't think you'd, you'd get it, or? Well, the, the, the little the little theater and I had a a, a, a bit of a pass because I had a theater company here after undergrad called Centerpoint Theater. Yeah, yeah. And it was the head of that for a few years, and then when Centerpoint, we lost our lease at Centerpoint. I just went apeshit crazy and went mm. to the press and called out the little theater and for them getting all this city support and oh, wow. how all their shows suck and you know they don't deserve all the support and you're shutting down the only good theater in town. It was this horrible. No wonder you have Vince McMahon pictures. No, it was. It's, that's a, yeah, it's a nice reminder of don't go spouting off your mouth in real life. You know, right? Because right, <laughs> it right. doesn't work the same as keep, in wrestling. Keep it to a wrestling ring. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and uh, a lot of a lot of regret over that. So when I walked into the the interview, the, the, I remember the final interview, the, the whole board was there, and there's some people on the hiring panel on the board that were there when I wrote that, and that was 10 oh, years wow. ago. And of course it came up, and I just said, you know, I was 25, and I knew everything, as you do when you're 25. I'm not, I'm not going to be lectured by anyone. Right. No one and, ain't going to uh, tell me how it is. just spouted off, and I was never, ever going to come back here for the rest of my life. So right. I thought that it would be a nice little parting shot. Well, that's a mature, uh, contrite argument back no. to them. that that probably made sense to them right? yeah there was no way i could get around it they had printouts of the goddamn articles so they, <laughs> they were waiting, to they pull were waiting for it yeah right and in the end and they, i'm like oh shit even vince mcmahon took back eric bischoff he did in the early he did 2000s. and that guy and that guy's a true asshole right exactly mm-hmm. um got a lot of wrestling talk going into this theater My talk God. i've always said wrestling is extreme theater Woo! so you get this you get this gig, and and uh, did you sit down here and think this is it? I'm an adult now, or did you scare? It, well, it felt that way at, at the beginning. Uh, yeah. When I got here, I found out pretty early in the interview process that I was going to be the sixth executive director that they had had in five years. Oh, wow. and I'd worked in nonprofit basically my whole life, and I knew that. I knew that any organization that had been through executive directors that fast, it's not the, the chances of them hiring five inept people, five people who are completely wrong for the job is, is a billion right. to one. So that means that there's something systematically poison right. in the organization. And, and this organization was no different than any nonprofit. They all go through, they all go through valleys and, right. and hills, and it just happened to be a pretty treacherous valley at that right. point. And you, so you come in and you have to start building from the ground up then or changing the atmosphere? You're like a, a guy taking over the Cleveland Browns. You kind of got to – we're going to bring a winning I attitude I don't watch here. a lot of – don't watch a lot of sports. Oh, they're Cleveland, a They're the people team. in uh, Major League, right? Yes. Yeah, right. That's a, yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a bit of a mess. The board was completely divided. Board meetings mm. would go on for four to five hours, open open yelling. It, was, it looks a lot like, you know, wrestling interviews from yeah, the board totally. meetings. Sounds like it. And uh, the only reason that I stuck around during that first year through all that political nonsense is because I was totally desperate. Like, I had mm-hmm. wanted to stay around here because my kids were around here. Yeah. Uh, I was traveling around in order to make a living as a director at that point. I'd have to be on the road nine, ten months out of the year, gotcha. direct seven or eight shows. And it just wasn't wasn't an option to be away from the kids that much. Right. And that sort of nomadic lifestyle at that point was, was no longer good for any sort of... Uh, introspection you know right. going to a new place every five weeks i imagine it, it's much like being on the road as a comic yeah yeah that's uh that's a road of desolation and, yeah uh, yeah yeah Ooh. yeah yeah and it, at least at least as a theater director as you go from town to town you go into this brand new environment and you're kind of at the at the top of the totem pole right 
and so it, it feeds into this god complex and everything is a-okay so you can you can kind of become this this christ figure as you direct this play in, in you come in on a donkey he had a car you usually leave on a donkey <laughs> backwards with your hand tied back hands right. back um so all right, so you, you, you get in here, you, you, you roll up your sleeves, and, and things start to turn around then? I mean, yeah. you're still here, so something went right. It did. It took it took a couple of years and just kind of sticking it out and slowly getting mm-hmm. new board members in, slowly getting new staff in, and yeah. just and just creating an environment of of a, a bullshit free environment where yeah. where you just where you just tell the truth yeah. and you don't stab people in the back. That's, that's impossible. It's really that's impossible. Really hard. <laughs> yeah, it took a it took a long time. Wow. And it's and it's difficult to keep that environment on track. But that's yeah. with something like this with a with a community theater. I mean, we do sixteen shows a year, and and dealing with all of those, dealing with is not the right term. But in terms, yeah. of, sometimes you have to deal with all these volunteer actors yeah. and directors and every single production that comes in, and rightfully so. That production is the most important thing. Yeah. For that particular person and that group of people, and trying to navigate that—it's got to be friction. Hard. Quite frankly, and I, this sounds like I'm making a joke. My only frame of reference is waiting for Guffman. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's my yeah. only frame of reference to to directing theater. I've got to imagine, but it's like anything else. I have a four-person writing team company, and there's infighting, right? <laughs> and, and problems right. and things you have to quote deal with. That's right. just part of life. I, people always say, "Why well, everything's so high school?" No, that's just human nature. Right. It just starts then. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it never gets. I, my mom just retired from as the activities director at a uh, um, uh, at the. Oaks and the villages and everything over there mm-hmm. in San Luis. She had people seventy-five and eighty-five fighting. Oh, man. You know, it just that behavior just keeps going. So, uh, but you get in here, it's you have fun, right and you, have, you do sixteen productions a year. Yeah, how full are those? I know you just did yourself a one-man show, Santa yeah. Land Diaries. Is that yeah? That just closed. Uh, yeah, over the over the holidays. Well, perfect timing to close it right after Christmas. Yeah, yeah we <laughs> we try to do really smart scheduling like that. So when I heard the word Santa. I thought that it should be Arbor Day Christmas. <laughs> that's it's, a smart yeah, directorial that's decision. One of the reasons why, and that's, that's why you have everything in this one, office. That's one of the few tidbits I'm going to give you for free today. <laughs> how uh, how do you uh, approach these productions? Where, where do you take the joy out of it? Because at some point, or the joy out of the not right. take the remove the joy. <laughs> where do you find the joy in these projects? Because this is a you know again director, it's admin, it's executive position. So I'm sure there's a lot right. of mundane stuff. But the art has got to be what drives you to something. The art is, is to work every day. Is the the part that I look forward to most of all is is really working with working with these directors. Over the past few years, we've been able to really up our game and hire professional directors mm-hmm. to come in from around the country because people like to come out here for for four weeks to Absolutely. direct a play. You know, it's a nice little vacation for them, especially people who live in the big cities. And so they come out here and being able to collaborate with with these great directors and really having that mind shift, which took a couple of years to really get into the idea of community theater because yeah. it is different than professional theater and you sure. are going for a different thing. You want to make the productions as good as possible, but you're also here to make the experience as enjoyable for these volunteer actors who are giving up months of their time right. and, and energy. And how fun is it to uh, take these these actors and, and find some gems and coach them and find, and find someone who might be a secretary somewhere else or something like that and always, ah, I always want to try out for a play or something like that. And then, it's fantastic. Yeah. We get a lot of people we get a lot of people who did, who did drama in high school or maybe did one yeah. or two plays and now a lot of, lot of retired people especially in this area who, who just kind of tiptoe back into sure. the theater. They're scared shit Shitless. They've had an yeah. entire career, you know, 
very successful, and then they come in and they're just kind of back at square one. Speaking the high school high school mentality, they walk yeah. into those auditions and you'll see a 55 year old man who's had his own company for for 20 yeah. years, and all of a sudden he's just a child again. And being able to kind of nurture that part of him that or or her that that for whatever reason they've had to ignore for so long is yeah. a great is a great benefit of working in a community theater rather rather than a professional theater. Yeah, and, and driving here and thinking of, of what we're going to talk about, that's one. That's what I thought about is 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 you know it's like teaching a class to uh, a comedy class and funding. So I've always wanted to try this. So there's right. got to be great joy in that. So uh, I, I like to hear that there. That's true. Absolutely, that's true. So if you're if you're listening out there and you'd like to uh, come uh, harass Kevin for auditions in a part, uh, just uh, come on down to San Luis Obispo Little Theater and stand outside, scream and yell. Perfect. Uh, and like I did, trying to find you today. No. Um, <laughs> So, uh, what, what do you got running now? What's running now? Pin- Pinocchio? Uh, I yeah, right now we have um, we have a year-round Academy of Creative uh, Theater uh, um, and acting program for young performers, and we do two productions with them every single year and have yeah. classes year-round after school. And we're doing Pinocchio. We have one more weekend of Pinocchio. All actors from ages, I think the, the youngest one is four up to 17. It's oh, a wow. great production. It's one of the best children's productions we've had here. It's really fun. That's great, and that's yeah. that's that's uh, God, it's a lot of fun. I'm looking at. Uh, uh, I don't want to give anything away, but I look what you got coming up here too, and you got you got a lot. It's, it's chock full, man. It's chock full. It's I chock like to keep full. those calendars up there and right next to Vince McMahon, so people understand how and how, how important and busy I am. <laughs> yeah, and how lucky they are to be speaking with me. Those are really the three. The, the, the three pillars of the environment I, I attempt to create around You're here. working hard. I pass, I made one pass. I was trying to get around to the parking structure, mm-hmm. and I saw you outside looking like you were overseeing something. Some people were digging, in the, and you were like, yes, keep digging. <laughs> Very good And at then that. I found you under a tree reading a book. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about getting older. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about this. Uh, um, I don't, I, no, no details are needed, but, mm. but I, I do want to know how uh, – do you – coming out of a divorce, yeah. regardless – Again, like I said, no no details needed. But coming out of any sure. kind of divorce, I'm fascinated about how you can get back up on the horse of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you? Can you? Yeah, it took it took a while. It took a while, and that's something, you know. And looking back, of course, and now now my ex and I are, are really great friends. We're closer sure. than we ever were when we were when we were married because we don't have that marriage thing getting in the way. I mean, we we knew each other since I was 17, and, right. and, and she was 15. And looking back and going, looking back specifically at those two years of the divorce, I remember walking around like in the pits of it and just passing people on the street like some sort of midnight cowboy preview, you know, with everyone blurry around me and just my face down like rats over Rizzo. And I remember thinking, holy shit, half of these people that I'm walking by Mm -hmm. have been through this Uh, and I'm going to be just fine. You know, it's something that that ev- that half of a society basically goes through, and yeah. it and it sucks. And I went through one of the most amicable divorces right. that I've heard of, and it still sucked. Right. And so it gave me great empathy just for humankind in general that mm. this goes on all the time, and, and basically a lot of people that you meet over the age of thirty have have been through it. And it sounds like a U two song. Oh yeah, yeah. It rhymes less. <laughs> It probably won't get me laid as much. No, not as much. But that—that's a great point uh, for almost anything you go through in life. You look no. around other other people other than death, you'll survive this. Exactly. You know, and that's, that becomes a mindset. Uh, 
I always struggle. I have, I, I just, as been discussed on the show before, I struggle with the notion of marriage yeah. or uh, love. I'm not, I, I take vacations by myself. I'm mm-hmm. very a solitary man, like mm-hmm. a Neil Diamond song now. But, um, so I admire anyone who can commit to the idea of a marriage, but I also admire anyone who can come out of that and still have a, find right. a hopeful attitude. Um, right. so you're not you think it, do you think it's too late for you? Um, if you look at my beard, yes, but yeah. no, no, I don't think it's too late for me. I mean, uh, there's other other focuses in my life, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes I wonder if that's. Um, I look to about fifty five, and I go, yeah. "Oh, I could be there real quick." Going, yeah. what the hell happened? It's weird how that looks now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. closer to that than high school, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is again the big dividing point in life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my twentieth is coming up uh, this summer. Oh, nice! I uh, think you're gonna have a great time. Yeah, I'm waiting for a rod to uh, organize it. Otherwise, it's not <laughs> happening. Where are your cufflinks? <laughs> From on the fly, <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't think it's too late for me. But uh, have you? Re- you're not afraid of marriage again, or are you one of those people who comes out of divorce? No, I'm completely afraid of marriage again. Uh, like I am back. Okay. I am definitely back on the horse. But but I'm really really happy with the way that my life has turned out because I was married for for almost ten years. Yeah, and two kids out of the deal. And I, I realized after I got through the the the, the sarlacc pit of divorce that. I really, really just wanted the kids. Like, all I wanted, I, I just love being a dad. Being a dad is the best. And so yeah. now I'm in this great situation where I've experienced marriage, and mm-hmm. I'm not taking it completely off the table of something. Sure. I mean, because that, that'd be stupid. I'm old enough to know that anything can happen, we're not especially like in terms of love. Yeah, yeah we're no, not like we're Clooney. Not like Clooney. We're like Clooney in a lot of ways. That's That's basically the only way that we're not. Like him, <laughs> we don't swear off marriage. Shit, I thought you were talking about rosemary. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, exactly. Like my floral pent dress. Um, yeah, but I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush yeah. to get married. I'm in a great situation right now. I get to spend uh, spend so much time with my kids, and it's also nice. The, the great part about being divorced and being close with your ex is. I also get two, three days away from my kids every single week, which is the best. Okay, okay. I'm glad you said that. I give you a lot of credit for saying that because I know a lot of parents who are in separated situations mm-hmm. who want to hold on to this notion that they, they don't want to admit, I'm so glad every other Friday I get to be without my kids. Oh, it's the best. And they're like, no, I wouldn't trade my kids. I know you wouldn't trade your That's kids for anything. That's not what anyone is saying, you moron. <laughs> so, so I'm glad to hear you're like, oh, no, I, a couple nights a week I get to... It's fantastic. You can yeah. sit at home, watch reruns of Star Search, eat pizza rolls. It's fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just picturing Geechee Guy on Star Search winning. <laughs> oh, that's three and three quarter stars really, for Geechee Guy. That's a really nice pull. <laughs> My God. So I, I, I like, I mean, because I know you have a lot of fun with your kids. I see yeah. the pictures you post. You're always down there at Universal Studios, which is in my backyard. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're posing with the pictures of Hanks. I like to teach them about yeah. the finer things in life. Yeah. How many pictures you have of you, Hanks, uh, ba- uh, Bacon, and Paxton <laughs> from Apollo 13? I appreciate you calling them by the last name, which I often do when I hang out with them on the Universal Skywalk. Uh, I would say over the last 20 years. Yeah. More yeah. than eleven. More. That's great. It's weird. They never age. The, no, they don't. No, they're, they're just sitting there no, waiting on the stoop for you. <laughs> yeah. uh, so you uh, clearly, uh, yeah. Um, 
I know if I know I do know a couple of people who parenting has not changed them, which would mean that there's a, something bad going on right, in right, my right. mind, and, and that who are not happy about it, and it's a tragic situation. So you've embraced it. Yeah. You said you loved it. And just realized you you know you'd go walk through fire to get these kids. You know, yeah. so you have them and you have a lot of fun, and then you like to give them away for a couple of nights. And I absolutely <laughs> respect it's, it's you. It's the sir. best. It's <laughs> the best. And that's what every. That's why I don't understand because I've met people who say the same thing that you do. As soon yeah. as you mention anything like that. It turns into an attack on yeah. on their their parenting skills, and it's not that yeah. at all. And yet these same same people will will complain about oh how tired they are and how they would just like to get away for a couple. I just days. wish and he'd go like, to bed. Yeah. Well, g- guess what? There's... Get divorced. You have a few days where you can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> That's Kevin Harris's official advice to any married couple having trouble with their children. Right. Just get divorced. Share the load. Copyright 2014. <laughs> That's great. Have you, um, uh, as a modern pop culture uh, male, yeah. living in this modern pop I'm culture. Not, I'm not feeling too modern lately. Uh, I mean, it's it's, we'll it's t- been slipping over the We'll talk time. about it, yeah. yellow. Yeah, I have that too. Uh, I'm yeah. like, hey, you hear that new single by Haim? You mean the one released two years ago? Right. Yeah, that like, one. By Corey? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, have you made any? Uh, I'm looking at a picture of you and your kids in a uh, Star Wars photo from uh, Attack of the Clones. Yeah, that was a real mistake. <laughs> <laughs> How, have you made any uh, decisions as a father uh, about uh, guiding their pop culture life? Absolutely. One of the one of the uh, I would, one of the happiest moments of my life mm-hmm. was I guess it was about two years ago where my son, who was six at the time. He grew up for whatever reason, well, for a very obvious reason, because he's a baby, and babies love those Star Wars prequels. I mean, they're made for babies. And so he watched all the Star Wars, and he went ape shit after those those movies, and and trying to explain to him, just hearing him out and trying to explain to him, you know, one day you're going to feel real, real dumb about this. And he would have none of it. What are you talking about? Misa loves these. (laughs) My God. And then two years ago, he finally really? got old enough, and he, he realized, oh, man, oh, this is no. not... Jake yeah. Lloyd is actually a really, really terrible actor. Master Obi-Wan, sir. Yeah. Um, my cousin, when he was he was seven, when uh, Phantom Menace came out. Oh, now, it's perfect. It, it took me eight viewings of Phantom Menace in the theater for me to finally accept what I knew the first no, two seconds. Man, we all we all went off the deep end there, didn't I'd we? I'd be arguing, like, no, the Phantom Menace is a play on the political battles between the Aborigines and the British man, colonial we army. Such, we were such assholes. Eight viewings. The world the world was an asshole the world, when that came out. World. A couple and weeks. my cousin, who was seven, I was like, hey, you, what, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Well, the Phantom Menace, the pod racing one. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now he's 21. He's a young filmmaker in Hollywood. and. Yeah. Whenever he uh, wants to get too artistic mm-hmm. and Tarantino-esque, I'm like, hey, remember, Phantom Menace was your That's favorite good. movie That's for good one calendar year. So I understand. Um, do, you he- remember, do you remember the boners we all got when we saw the first trailer yes. for the Phantom Menace? Absolutely. And it said Lucasfilm. And yeah. we all went crazy. A hush went over the theater. It, we immediately started uh, sweating. And, and then the legend. first shot you see is that pod racing yeah. shot. And we went this is going this to change bit. the world. Yeah. This is awesome. Yeah. He's back. Uh, I sometimes, again, watch that trailer. I remember the teaser trailer, which is uh, the Gungans walking out on their creatures. Yeah. Every story has a beginning. Every line. Yeah. You're like, oh, God, this oh is the God, That copper spaceship going over the field. And, yes. and it's, it's going, holy <laughs> it, shit. It is, that looks so real. It's burned into our minds. Yeah. And then the full trailer comes out, and maybe you're one of the people that snuck in to meet Joe Black to see it because <laughs> um, he didn't want to watch Claire Forlani and Brad Pitt for three hours. 
Um, and, and yeah, and, and I sometimes still go back to that Phantom Menace trailer and think, I'd love to see this movie. Yeah. The way they edited the story, I it thought, was it was, great. thought it was going to be something it totally different. And then instead we got, this is pod racing. Wizard. Michamita Watto. <laughs> Fuck you, little kid. <laughs> Darth Vader, my ass. Um, and even after being burned by uh, that first movie, two years later we came back mm-hmm. to the second one. Yeah. With open arms. I got heat stroke waiting for tickets for the first one <laughs> in Winnetka, California. It probably and My helped. roommates, Joel Trudgeon and Casey Alexander, came by. They were making fun of me for waiting for the tickets. And they showed up with money, cash money, uh-huh. Gatorade, and a donut at oh 10 in the morning. God, and said, that's exactly what you needed. Do you mind picking up two for us? And uh, <laughs> it was... Cheap bastards. <laughs> My my head, my lips were crusted. <laughs> I looked, looked like I had been tortured in some Game of Thrones dungeon flayed by the uh, Bolton house, uh, House Bolton. Um, and then, yeah, Attack of the Clones. I'm like, oh, no, they, they recovered. Did you yeah. see that shot of the overhead and the Jedi's being It's going to be great. They learned their yeah. lesson. Yeah. Little did we know yeah. Rick- that it was already done. Like, it, it was done. From before we even saw. Yeah, yeah, and then again, Revenge of the Sith, which I'll argue the Revenge of the Sith, of course, the best of the three in the last thirty minutes or so, I can get into and enjoy. Right. Um, sometimes I'll even watch it more than Jedi, and right. I've been personally. Well, it's like saying that. Operation Miami Beach is the best of the Police Academy movies. It doesn't really hold <laughs> at much at water. At that point, but I did, this, and now Episode Seven coming out. Are you and your kids going to be waiting for that? Oh yeah, yeah I'm still on board. Still, you have I'm to still be. an ass. <laughs> You're still a sucker for. I'm it. in line right now. <laughs> By the way, that's why there's a little bit. Of an echo, we're in Kevin's line tent. That's right. <laughs> have it all set up. Yeah, my mini fridge. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you have what about your kids' uh, musical choices? You know that. That's, have you guided that at all? It, it has. And uh, Ella, my my oldest, just went off the rails. Like uh, Cara, Cara <laughs> I'll my, spit my, my water out. I, we, uh, you know, it's something that we talked about, especially after the divorce, because we wanted to make sure that they got. And, uh, and when you're driving in the car, you have c- complete control gotcha, over what yeah. they listen to when, when they're younger. And so you can make those choices and get that music into their brain. And if you play anything for a kid long enough, they're going to like it. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's Gordon Lightfoot or Dan Fogelberg. <laughs> Two strange examples. Pretty similar. <laughs> Not at all. Pretty similar. Not at all. But you can do whatever. And so we decided, you know. The legend came down from started, the Chippewa on down. Don't do that. You're going to have to pay for that if you, if you go much longer. Stop. Yeah, Stop. Yeah, it was close. Stop. Point taken. Uh-huh. So we, we, we got him started with the Beatles, of course, because you, okay. you can't not do that. Yeah. Moved on to Pink Floyd. Definitely got some ELO in there. You know, kind of oh, okay. kind of sparsed throughout. We yeah. fooled him with that. And then, uh, you know, it's going pretty well. And then all of a sudden, this One Direction shit just exploded. Your daughter turns 10 and yeah, One Direction all, all hits the seat. All of a sudden, she's not asking for, you know, Beatles uh, pillowcases anymore. She wants a full-size cutout of Niall or whatever his name is. And now I have this asshole in my living room. Scares the shit out of me every time I... It's been there since Christmas. Every time... Every time I walk out of the kitchen, I think there's a person standing there. I think there's it's a pasty, beautiful blonde direction. I love how you do it. Looking at me like a. Did you get one of those fat heads that stick to the wall or something like that? <laughs> and you're like, hey, this, my, my cutout of Paxton Hanks and, and bacon is in the living room. This can't. <laughs> this cannot work. So, this is in a different universe. I am fascinated, though. Did, did you and Kara sit down? Did you literally sit down and plot out what they were going to listen yeah, to? Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, so we could be listening oh. to it at the same time. 
like that's in, beautiful. In, in the car so they can they can get this like little lesson. That's spectacular. Yeah. I love and to you hear can that. tell you can tell when their entrance starts waning in something else. Right, and, then, right. and then there's no shortage of stuff to, to uh, there was the kinks for a month, there was really the clash for a little while. It's beautiful. just just try to go all over the place just so they get it in their heads because yeah. as Ella proved to me, as people told me would would happen, but yeah. I didn't believe these assholes when they would try to lecture me and say, you know, you're gonna you're gonna lose your daughters into to no. pop culture. Are you kidding me? She's my best friend. And I've seen American Beauty. I, I see what happens between fathers and daughters. <laughs> I should know better. I'm going to throw some broccoli against the wall. Yeah, I get it. I am waiting. I'm waiting till we have that conversation where we're washing dishes together and I say to Ella, we used to be buds. What happened to us? It's only a matter of months, I think. In one directional plane. I got you listening to Tea for Tellerman by Cat Stevens. <laughs> what are you doing now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so wow! So it's going to be a pretty heated conversation. How do you? So I guess at one point, obviously, in a good father, you got to let them go their own way, right? And you then turn your focus to your son, and then well, <laughs> unless I'm not, I'm not willing to let go of the reins completely. But right. it shifts, you know, for her entire life. I have been playing music for her, and yeah. now she wants to listen to her own music, and yeah. I'm years behind. And yeah. I don't know who One Direction is, really. I know of, of them, them, but I don't, I've never heard their music. And so now I need, now she's playing music for me just so I can desperately try to hang on to her as long <laughs> as I can before she goes through the sports bra to junior high. <laughs> your your six, six-year-old son, how's he doing? How's he, eight? He's eight. Eight, so your eight-year-old son is like, Dad, this is Mumford and Sons. Oh, uh, Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm going to grow my hipster beard now. Oh, um, man, that's, that's going to be a terrible day. But it sounds like you had a good ride, though. It I, was good. You, know, you weren't listening to the Wuggles too much no. after a certain age. No, no, no. And I'm, I love, I'm, I'm fascinated. It's like, uh, uh, you know... Uh, I guess one of the fun things of being a parent, you think, would be to introduce something to your kids. But then yeah. you're, the flip side of that is they, they show back up with now Justin Bieber happening. t-shirts. But, um, right. you know, the I think you've, you the base is there. I think mm. you're going to, by 18, it'll come back. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I hope so, for That's your sake. That's the plan. For your sake, Commander, That's for the, the Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. My goodness. <laughs> you've, uh, you've also done some uh, film acting, too. Um, mm. You were part of Aaron Metchek's uh, movie up here, right? What was that called? The 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 Got it written down. He here. did the uh, he did the ten years later, and I wasn't years. part of that one. Oh, okay, no, the, then I'm thinking of yeah, more, more, more than, than stars. stars. Yeah, that wasn't Metchik. Okay, no, he didn't. My apologies. He didn't direct that one, but he was he was in it. In it. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about that. How that came to be. There was a uh, a guy that I knew from Centerpoint. He used to be a, a scenic designer over at Cal Poly, and he helped out a lot at Centerpoint. And he opened up his own production company here, mm-hmm. and he uh, received a script from a writer named David Vienna, who. Um, whose blog just exploded. He has this parenting blog, and he mm. just got a book deal, and it's weird. It's weird how that happens. We'll yeah. talk about that yeah. in a little okay. while. Uh, book market. Book market. And uh, he received this script, and it was all about San Luis, and he'd had this production uh, studio for a while, mostly local stuff, commercials, and, mm-hmm. and a few shorts. And he decided he wanted to make a feature, and he put you know a couple of years into funding it, and and he made this feature, and he cast Aaron and I in it, and a, a bunch of other actors, uh, some some people from Los Angeles, right, California, us us a holes from Hollywood. That's right, that's right. <laughs> we're gonna go up to this little beach town and they, shoot a moving. They were the ones who had to be housed. <laughs> <laughs> no Frito boats for them between scenes. 
Uh, yeah, so it was fun. It was a nice, you know, low budget, but but very professional and fun experience. Well, you can, you can do them now. I yeah. mean, that, that this is the, the, the blessing of technology. It would change everything. Yeah, I'm an a-hole here thinking I can do some sort of talk show in your office here right no. now because I have a MacBook. Right. You know, so um, you could do them and do them well. And yeah. uh, I, uh, I will confess I haven't seen it, uh, but I've mm-hmm. seen the clips from it. and. This doesn't look like yeah. It looks you like growing up. If you were like, oh, we're gonna make a movie in St. Louis, I'm like, oh, Ed Dickerson's video production class, right? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, but but it's great. So it had to be a fun experience uh, doing that. Where can where can people find that movie now? Is it a streaming? That Netflix one is or? not. It, it's recently been submitted to festivals again. Gotcha. Still tinkering gotcha. with it, so he's he's holding it pretty close to the chest. Oh, so it's not point. available for viewing. Not yet. Oh. Oh, well, write your local festival people and request uh, more than stars. Please. Please um, do. Please write on parchment. Please burn the edges and dip it, it in tea. <laughs> Seal it with Lord Tywin Lannister's... Sorry, making too many Game of Thrones references today. I've been reading Dance with Dragons like crazy this week. Um, any other films... Uh, down the pipeline with them, or they're just kind of seeing with that. They're seeing what that's going on. He he mm-hmm. just did another uh, a documentary that is that his focus is in uh, focuses on right now. So he's going to festivals with mm-hmm. that one right now. So more of the stars is kind of on the back burner. Yeah. Um, and what about you? Do you perform a lot in these plays, or are you just behind the scenes now? I, I know again mostly, the one man show was you. But. Yeah, mostly behind mostly behind the scenes. I try to get out on stage once every couple of years, just yeah. to, just kind of remind myself what the, what that's like. Well, you, you know. and, well, and you're damn good at it. I remember one review years ago compared you to a uh, a Hugh Grant type. Uh, I, I remember something like that in the, in the local press here. Yeah, the local yeah. press is really good. <laughs> at typing things right. and putting them in a sentence structure. That was right after four weddings and a funeral. Probably. Thanks for pulling something so recent. <laughs> hey, what do you, you know, what is he? Man? Print is yeah. print. Print is forever. Yeah. As your interview with the Theater Point Directors Board of Directors. <laughs> Holy shit. I just would like to. I wish you had played that a little differently with less integrity. But like, did you ever say bad things about us? No, not at no, all. That's <laughs> not me. Look at this on microfiche. <laughs> Let's talk. You, you, you want to talk about the blog here? I talk about society. I was just talking to my parents at breakfast about mm-hmm. how TV will basically not exist anymore. It's something that will be yeah, app based and smart quick. TVs and all this stuff. Uh, and we we are in the society where someone can write a, a Twitter feed and it gets turned into a TV yeah. show. And whether or not that show lasts a long time the fact that you can even do it and get right. paid by a tv production company your twitter feed was funny it's now a show right that's a great opportunity easier said than done right so how it's does a this completely get, different your friend's blog blew up system it did and and you know in, in his defense you know he was he was one of the the people that you look at how he did it and he can't really be pissed at it because he'd been right. working on it for for four years and he had steadily right. built it up after four years and it was a it was his job you know, right. and it was a thankless, paychecklist job for many, many years. And then he wrote this one little thing, this one little mm-hmm. blog post that went viral, and it it made everyone kind of rediscover his blog. All the people that right. that do matter, right? You know, not like us regular people. <laughs> there's there's a lot of people that uh, I'm like, I do a podcast. A what now? I'm like, oh, <laughs> a who's what? I thought this was oversaturated, but not yet. <laughs> Thank you, Arroyo Grande. <laughs> right. I was doing some shows. How is the podcast market now? Have we reached oversaturation? Oh, it's definitely oversaturated. But yeah. here's the thing, and I was again talking about this with my folks at, at breakfast. I just uh, was up in, in town, and uh, some of the episodes that 
aired last week here in the Napsock Files um, with uh, Kate and, and Mike Payne and Matt Donovan and Jeff Moody and, and my friends up here. Um, they took some pictures while we were recording and posted it on, on the Facebook, uh, this social media device people are using these days. And some people, you know, I get people, hey, what is that? Oh, it's my friend Ken came up. He has a podcast. And what's a podcast? What radio station could I find this on? And so it made me, you know, I'm not poking fun at those people or or the town, so to speak. But in L.A., like, literally everyone has a podcast, Uh and it is oversaturated, and we all look at it very cynical. When I talk to one of my friends, you know, hey, you want to come over and uh, be on my podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you just rather go to dinner? No, no, I'm recording my show. Right. Um, But that's not our audience. Right. it's like in L.A. being a stand-up comic. You're performing to comics most of the time, mm-hmm. or the people in the audience are your friends you guilted into coming, and in, 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 in exchange you have to go see their one act right. or, or their movie uh, you know, downloaded on, on demand. Like, right. So to come out to even go to somewhere even as, uh, just as close as Pasadena and do something mm-hmm. at the Ice House where the people are like, oh, awesome, mm-hmm. comedic performers telling jokes on stage. This yeah. is what I like. Um, I got to remember when doing the, the podcast, whether it be this one or, or uh, my Wrestling Viewpoint Network podcast or the Schmoes No movie podcast mm-hmm. that I produce, we're, we're broadcasting to people not in our circle. And right. we can get cynical looking at that. And, and, and uh, so it's refreshing to kind of think that things people still appreciate it right. oh this is awesome it's a podcast this guy in hollywood is it is it strange to try to figure out who exactly you are broadcasting for i am because it, it's yeah. this invisible audience it's an invisible audience and since i'm on such a small scale right now i don't mm-hmm. the, the feedback's minimal and it's generally related to people who are uh, coming to me from the schmoes no movie right. world um that's my fan base right mm-hmm. now but uh, they're spread out all over whether yeah. it be i have i have some fans in australia new zealand england mm-hmm. uh, alaska uh, and they write world. and they write or tweet to me and yeah. and it is awesome and fulfilling on some level. Mm-hmm. I appreciate every you know. I always say if I have two people listening, that's two more than zero. That's true. And I should appreciate that. I just try to broadcast for myself, um, not to be egocentric, but just to like what would I enjoy listening to? And uh, I enjoy talking to people like yourself, who who you know you're not a famous movie star, mm-hmm. and though that's interesting to listen to Mark Maron talk to you know Larry King, mm-hmm. it's also there's stories uh, that regular Joes like ourselves who've done right. very interesting things from raised children to being an independent movie. You've I bet been, Larry King's divorce stories are better. Maybe yeah, one of at least one of the eight. I one. <laughs> One, if they're not, that's even sadder. I'm happy I get the kids. Boca Raton. You know. <laughs> um, so I love to hear those stories, and I think that's that's what I like to listen to is the rise and and uh, the rise to success or the the dealing with failure. I struggle with failure a lot because I'm coming up to the uh, the end of my youth, really, in Hollywood, and and oh. I've done some very cool things, but I haven't hit big or the mm-hmm. things I went down into town with. Um, I had grand plans, right. you know. I'm sure when you graduated Royal Grand High School, did you have some grand plans in your head? No, absolutely, absolutely. Right. I wanted to be a. Uh, my plan was to be a perfect combination of Al Pacino and Mandy Patinkin. So I wanted to kind of do it all. Let me take that in. I've got, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love, I love both. With the dick of George Clooney. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so i got to piece it together like a magical <laughs> Voltron actor with a beautiful Clooney dick. God bless Clooney. Mm. Um, that, those were, that was seriously, seriously wow. my plan, and I was never, never going to come back to, to, to the Central Coast. I'm blowing you know? this one horse town. That's it. Um... I had that too, and I was going to go to L.A. after I chose. I, I had Chicago and Toronto were on my list, 
uh, for a second city. Mm-hmm. And then I just realized I'm too much of a wimp to do that. And yeah. Will Farrell and Chris Catan and Chris Parnell and, and Anna Gasteyer had, and Sherry O'Terry had just hit um, uh, on SNL mm-hmm. in 95, 96, 97. Yeah. And I left town in 98, so the Groundlings became an option, mm-hmm. though I'd, I'd known it from when Phil Hartman, John, John Lovitz, and the gang were on it. So I was like, oh, I'll go down to Hollywood and go to the Groundlings. I'll do that, do the class, uh, and then I'll get on Saturday Night Live, and I'll be the weekend update anchor. Then I'll go host a late-night talk show, and I right. realized I'm Jimmy Fallon just without the success. Right. And then um, I do my four years, and then I get voted out and, and told, mm-hmm. now you're not funny enough to be here, and I take it wrong, which is yeah. my fault, not anyone else's fault. Yeah. And those plans start to escape myself uh, quickly. Yeah, it, it goes quickly. Suddenly, it's One linchpin in the plan, and yeah. it all kind of crumbles Which, away again, back then. My fault. Yeah. Uh, and my fault for maybe focusing on two, you know, two one-dimensional, one-lane highway there. Yeah. Um, for you, I mean, all right, so you're here now, you're happy where you are now, yeah. but how, how do you get to, how did you find that happiness? Because at some point, or did, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm assuming you were unhappy like I was. Right. But sometimes when you look back and go, oh, that's, what happened to that? Well, I knew I wanted to be, as, as soon as I made the, the decision to start to be a theater director and yeah. go to school for that uh, after undergrad, yeah, really was working my way back to here, but I never thought in a million years that I would be the artistic director of a community theater in my hometown. Right. I mean, that... That's like when you're 18. That's a real bullshit goal. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> right. <laughs> Who says that? It's like, what? I'm going to have weekends off and go to the lake. Right. <laughs> God, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds amazing now. So yeah, it is. It is strange, and plans are weird. I mean, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I sit people down and lecture them. Yeah. Uh, I, I tr- try to tell them that it's great to have a plan, and it's great to have a plan yeah. for your life. But you have to you have to be open because your plan is never going to work out yeah. how you think it's going to work out. And I'm not a big proponent of you know life. Everything happens for a reason. Right. I think that's total bullshit. Gotcha. I think it's all random. But yeah. you still have to deal with it. I mean, it still happens. Yeah. How you and, react and to it? And bad shit happens. Yeah. You know, you you got voted out. Yeah. After four years, that's bad shit. Yeah. That's a tough pill to swallow. And maybe Absolutely. you could have reacted to it better in yeah. in, in hindsight, but that's something that you you have to deal with. It wasn't part of the plan, and we all have parts of our plans that don't don't work out. And, and it's how you deal with it. And 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 I like. Uh, I feel like this is that's great to hear the Kevin Harris old man lecture. Mine's, mine's similar. It's great. <laughs> and, and and it's so when you're talking to youth, those mm-hmm. youths, and you know. Did you say youth? I said youths. What's a youth? Those youths. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't do Fred Gwynn. Yeah, Fred Gwynn. God bless him. Um, may he rest in peace. Um, you know, and again, we're both young. Let's not. Let's not. We joke about being old men. But, yeah, well, you know, we hang out with people that are older than us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's strange when you hang out with like a fifty-year-old and, and yeah. we make a crack about being old, and and you know and our bodies like, hurt, and they look down at us. It's like <laughs> another form of lecture, and we look at them, and, and we're like, yeah. Eh, yeah. screw you, my, don't my, lecture me. My ankle isn't going to crack <laughs> anytime I wake up. What are you talking about, Dan? Um, I, I, when I sit there and tell the kids at my work, you know, hey man, I know you got these goals, but I tell you, more often than not, it's not going to work out oh. it's more about less about the goals and more about uh your daily discipline and execution and plan yeah, of right. action that's going to get you somewhere versus the goals um you know and, and the, the blank stares on yeah. the faces oh it's the worst you know I, i've learned to just go all right 
I'm going to let you figure this one out yourself. Right. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's and, a very grown-up thing yeah, to do. And then to, uh, to is, it, is it as smug as that? Is it as yeah, smug as what you just You know did? what's funny? It's getting more smug. <laughs> yeah? It, it's the getting... hands are going higher and higher <laughs> up in the air? It's it's Larry David and Kirby and <laughs> Do you have notes for your lecture that you throw up <laughs> in the air? I just go, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. It's, it's Larry David now. It's, it's, it's getting like that because I'm getting frustrated because people will come to me. Hey, man, can you talk to me? But And that's part of my job, right. just as I'm sure it's part of your job. Being a leader in a leadership position is sometimes coaching and guiding these people. I prefer people. to think of you and I as mentors. That, Jedi mentors. Jedi mentors. Let's take it back to the right, grown-up like things. Mace Windu. Yes, yes. Um, I'm the one with the tentacles. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know the, that the, was a girl, right? I think so. She was hot. <laughs> that explains. She had tits as well. That explains my dreams are weird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they'll and, and they'll come. So when they come to me, and after a while, you know, after advice, after advice, after advice goes unlistened, wow. it's turned me a little bitter. So I'm kind of in a, in a weird spot as a mentor, Absolutely. where um, people are coming to me. You know, hey, you had some failure in life. How did you deal with mm-hmm. it? Uh, I dealt with it this way, this or that way, and then they do the exact opposite. That's when I go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You should take your lecture, write it down onto a piece of paper. Yeah. Burn the edges, dip it in tea, <laughs> fold it into an envelope, seal it with the wax of the Tyrone wax. Lannister. Yeah. Yeah. Tuck it into a Harry Potter book, <laughs> send it to yourself, yeah. and then give it to them 10 years later. 10 years later? Why would you send it to yourself? Uh, copyright? Copyright. Copyright. That's yeah. smart. That's smart. Yeah. That's Kevin Harris being smart right there. Yeah, I've been in the business for a long time. You have been yeah. giving advice that Give, goes on listening to. Uh, you know, and again, yeah, you're so. It's so funny. I do have a lot of friends who are ten to fifteen to twenty years older who I who are contemporaries and colleagues, but right. they occasionally will remind me. Uh, you know, I was actually there when the Beatles played. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Young that's man. weird. Yeah, that's weird. Um, that's old. I feel bad let's, for them. Let's talk about something really important to your heart. Absolutely. Let's talk about something that I know um, every every other day on Facebook you're attacked for, uh, and that is your love of ELO. The Electric Light Orchestra. Yes, Jeff yes. Lynn's band. Jeff Lynn's The Electric Light Orchestra. <laughs> How did this come about? Tell us the story there. I had two older brothers, mm-hmm. eight and ten years older, okay. and uh, mm, so yeah. they were they were around when ELO was at, well the, the 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 tail end of ELO really the disco years okay. really beginning from when, discovery when, onwards so around 77 was, was when discovery came out okay would that be their peak no correct correct me if i'm wrong no their peak was really around 74 75 with eldorado gotcha. and, and on the third day that's that's well it's it's strange i think they were probably most popular during discovery but yeah. looking back their best albums were 73 through 75 understood yeah completely and then they disintegrated in the 80s. That's, Gone, that's, yeah, right, huh? Yeah. And, uh, and my brother would listen to them all the time. And he actually had an 8-track, a recorded 8-track. And I'd never seen one of the. Well, of course I'd never seen any one uh, back then. But this was the first time that I'd seen one where right. people like we had a cassette tape and they would have eight track recorders. And I'd never seen yeah. one like that. What kind and of future am I living in? Exactly, it was nuts. And his neighbor recorded Discovery for him on this eight track cassette. Right. And in the middle of it, in the middle of Shine a Little Love, he had recorded his own voice saying, "David was my brother's name. David, David, wake up, David." And I thought, I mean, that that album is so kooky anyway. You thought it was just. I thought it was part of the song. It It wasn't until two years ago. (laughs) And same thing with "Schools Out." You know, when it goes Alice Cooper's, I thought because I played that on eight track all the time, and I thought, oh shit, the eight track is broken (laughs) again. It's burning up (laughs) every single time. So that's when I started listening to it, and I I just grew up around it. And and then in high school, 
you know, I got into different different music. You know, yeah. unlike a lot of people, I was into the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't know if anyone's yeah. ever heard of that band. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, they came out with an album, and I, I listened to that. I think they only came out with one album. I'm not sure what happened to yeah, them. Yeah, they went away. They were on the Pretty Woman soundtrack, and that's, then nothing. That's right. <laughs> the King of Wishful Thinking. What was the name of that? Like, Go West. Go West. Nice. <laughs> And and so I I took off ELO for for a little while, mm -hmm. and then when I got to college, I decided that I needed an identity because I wanted to change my identity from high school because you're gotcha. in a new place. And I'm like, you yeah. know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose ELO. So it was a bit of an arbitrary choice, and then it kind of <laughs> stuck to me, especially for the late '90s. It's like pretending <laughs> to be a racist, and then all of a sudden you realize five years later that you're a goddamn racist. That's how I became a Spice Girls fan. <laughs> You used to no, make fun of them every that is day. Exactly the same thing. Then you yeah. realize you're you're humming their song while you're brushing your teeth. I own Spice World on DVD. <laughs> no one is around. Why am I watching this again? <laughs> so so they grew on me, and then okay. I and then they just became this sort of when I would bring it up. Yeah. People had such hatred toward them for for whatever I reason. I don't get that. People hate ELO. We're not talking about bread here. No, no, no. <laughs> they never... If a picture paints exactly. a thousand We're talking about That's don't terrible. get me down. Yeah, it's terrible. Right. And for years, people would just shit on ELO, and so I felt that it was my own personal battle that I had to fight because I'd already aligned myself with them, this new identity. Right. And then I was like, well, this is this is bullshit. They don't even know what ELO is. They don't. They don't, right. They don't, they're not listening to any deep tracks, which are which are even weirder and, and <laughs> crazier than the... Because for, for most people, they, the, when they think of ELO, back then especially, it was only through Jeff Lynne uh, and, and Wilburys and producing right. Petty and, and even producing McCartney uh, and, and producing Free as a Bird and the new Beatles right. stuff. Absolutely. Uh, that's when I was like, who's this guy with the big floppy beard and hair? Right. Oh, and he was in a is, band? Why is he always around? Yeah, why, why is, is he George... always around the most famous people <laughs> on Earth? <laughs> it's Orbison, Harrison, Petty, Dylan, Bearded Guy, guy Jim Keltner. I even know Jim Keltner on drums. I don't know this guy. Why? What is so? So that's how I came to know exactly. Them. Um, but here you are, 94, 95, yeah. going, I shall defend ELO to right. the end of time. And I didn't even think Jeff Lynn appreciated it. I haven't received one phone call. He, he hasn't did, written any songs for me. You did not dip your letters in the right tea. I did not. <laughs> I did not. Uh, so why do, why do people hate them? I, I don't know. I, I think people think that they're uh, they're they're unbelievably cheesy, and I think they know a couple of songs. But yeah. but they're called the goddamn Electric Light Orchestra. Right. And when you really break that down, what he was trying to do, he was on the forefront of of synthesizers. He was yeah. creating his own synthesizers. He was yeah. doing overdubbing in a way. He was trying to outdo the Beatles in every possible way. The problem right. is he wasn't as talented as the Beatles. And so a lot of his songs and his lyrics are just terrible. <laughs> Speaking of like bread, right. bread just runs rodeos around Jeff Lynne in terms of lyrics. Shakespeare to my, uh, Jeff Lynne's Michael Bay, but um, yes. <laughs> um, but it's so funny you say he's not as talented as the Beatles. And I he I've heard that joke made in like Rolling Stone or Spin magazine. Yeah. And then he ends up. Producing the Beatles essentially right. in the, in ninety four ninety five. He's an extraordinarily talented dude. Yeah, and always thinking ahead of his time. And and yeah. I mean, one of the big reasons why ELO has not been accepted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is because during that that yeah. period where they were most famous, yeah. it was basically Jeff Lynne in his basement, you know, 
smoking mm. grass with with seventy three <laughs> keyboards around him, overdubbing his own voice, right? Because he didn't want the band to have a, a part of it. You right. know, he was in his own little world creating. He's so like when, a, when they went out on concert, they couldn't replicate the stuff. Right. Like He's like he a, a forebear to Trent Reznor or or the or Eels with the Mark Oliver Alvarez. A lot of ways. And that's what we're beginning to find. Trent Reznor's rise yeah. and fall yeah. happened much quicker than than ELO's. But now now you see these filmmakers and you see these people yeah. who are 40, 45 years old who grew up with the music, loved the music. Yeah. And in the last three years, four years, you've seen so much ELO in in commercials, is right. the major themes to songs. It is everywhere now because you have this new generation of filmmakers who say ELO is, is awesome. Right. What uh, Was it the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind trailer that used, used one of their songs? Yeah, used Mr. Blue Sky. Gotcha. And that was the first time it yes. really popped where we're like, holy. And that was, that was like, one of the oh. most mocked songs in yeah. their entire Oh four, oh five. I think that yeah. trailer came out, and it was like, "What's that song?" Oh, it's a little band called ELO. Right. So was that the first time? And that it was you were like, perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It no, was it was. That was the key. That, Everyone was like, trailer. "I love that song." Well, guess what? Yeah, you love that song. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you don't love that song. So was that the first time? Did you sit there and say, uh, um, "What's that was happening?" That, yeah. Was that because I, I see you've got this artwork? I love ELO hanging in your. Was that the first it's time you true. displayed that proudly? That's true. No, no. I did. Well, it's always displayed proudly. Just not sure. Prominently, Prom- gotcha. that was that Difference. was the first time that I really started getting hope. Yeah, that that this was this was going to happen. But gotcha. that was a Spike Jones movie. It was you know yeah. early in his career. No one really knew what was going to. He had what being John Malkovich before that, and then yeah, yeah. adaptation. Yeah, you're about right. And he uh, and I was like, this is great, but it's still it's still kind of an arty an arty flick. It's not going to convince the masses of Yellow's yeah. greatness. Or was it was it Spike Jones or, My, or Michelle Gondry? I think I can't remember now. That was I, I, that was Spike Jones. I don't know. Well, internet will tell us later on. Some, people, I'm sure somebody will. Po- people will yell at us in the comments yeah. and call us idiots. No. Um, but that, but regardless, ELO hits the mainstream right. at that point, starts to grow, and, and now all of a sudden it's everywhere. Flash forward to this year, American Hustle. No matter what yeah. you think of the movie, uh, I thought it was uneven. Though Jennifer mm-hmm. Lawrence uh, will will marry me one day, but. Um, mm-hmm. Great performances and everything. Right, the, right. the movies that talked about nominated movie and ELO yeah. is in there ELO, three times. Three times. Three times in the soundtrack. Most most used band in the soundtrack. And not only is it in there three times, yeah. the entire four final minutes of the movie right. is almost the entire Overture, one of the uh, the ten fifty eight overture. Folks, if you could see the passion pouring out of Kevin's eyes while he's talking it is about this, ridiculous. He's not even sitting down. The he's fact standing. that the fact that a filmmaker would choreograph the last four right. minutes around a song, you know, cut around a song because the, that song is so powerful to him. Yeah, that's that's it's it's finally and, hit. It's and O. Russell is is perhaps uh, one of the uh, hottest, most respected filmmakers mm-hmm. uh, going right now. He's on oh. he's on a hot streak, and, and apparently a hell of a nice guy <laughs> just as Clooney. yeah <laughs> um so that's do you are you vindicated will you ever feel vindicated no no i'm not I, no absolutely not because people yeah. still have this this uh, completely unbelievable and unwarranted hatred toward this band they are personally offended by elo in some way and it, it, it does upset me it's a stupid thing to get upset yeah. about but why do people hate this band so much I can't, you know, because like, look, in the, in the uh, when I was a, a DJ at K Bear in the in the mid '90s, uh, 
uh, I became a huge Oasis fan. I still am to the day, this mm-hmm. day. Uh, I get they hit the heights of popularity, but I got why people didn't like them because it was simple pub rock, right. three chords and a beer, and mm-hmm. um, and they spouted off how great they were. So I got why people didn't like right. them. ELO, there is a palpable hate yeah. if you go around music lovers. Right. I thought it was I thought it was going to change when Jeff Lynne did that songwriters thing on PBS. They yeah. like focused on him and he played all of his own music like an right. unplugged type thing and I'm like alright here's the moment where people are going to start shutting up right. about Jeff Lynne and no all they could talk about is how stupid his sunglasses were and what right. an asshole it was <laughs> and his floppy curly hair I, I, I forever he won me over with his parts in, in End of the Line no. and, and Handle with Care with the no. Blueberries first album I'm, I'm sold from that point on yeah, he, absolutely. his voice and sound because it's Higgs it's kind of his signature sound uh, at that time period, kind of the jangly acoustic guitars yeah. um, that, that that dominates the Wilburys' first That's album. That's the only two songs that everyone knows from the Wilburys right, are right. all Jeff Lynne. Jeff Lynne's work. So, yeah. And then again come the anthology and the Beatles uh, sort of reunion in 94. Um, it's his work that turns uh, real love and free as a bird into, yeah. into workable songs in my right. mind. So I, I forever, you will not get an argument from me, this sir. Really, this really feels, you have no idea how seldom this happens in my life. This is maybe the fourth time that someone someone has said such kind words about I, it. I ain't, I ain't kidding. All right. I ain't well, I kidding. I appreciate that. I ain't it's going to be a good day. I'm so glad we got to close the uh, interview with uh, letting you uh, have that forum. I'm, I'm honored that you uh, had the ELO uh, platform. Well, I here. just hope that you don't hear any flack about it. Oh, we probably peanut, will. Peanut yeah, McNeil's writing there. his response on parchment right now yeah. in San Francisco. Jeez, dipping uh, it in green tea. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, Kevin, thank you so much. Where can they find information about the Little Theater on the interwebs? You know what? Just go on to uh, Google, to search engine. Mm-hmm. On, oh, oh, okay. On the Is that like a Yahoo? www. Yeah, it's like a Yahoo. Do I have to do the HTTPS colon backslash backslash I'm thing? not sure okay. if you need to do that anymore, but okay. you can. Okay. Uh, and just Google San Luis Obispo Little Theater. It'll yeah. be at the top of the list. See what we have going on. Anyone who happens to be listening around here, come check out. Yeah. What we're doing, we always have something going on. Forty-five weekends out of the year. Absolutely. Is, uh, do you guys have a Twitter feed at all? We do not. What? We you need do to get. Not. You need to get it. That's how you'll get fans that you'll never see the or hear tweeters, from. The tweets. <laughs> Get through it. Get 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 on there. You can uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, me actually at Ken Napsock. Don't forget to follow the Napsock Files on Facebook. Like the page and subscribe. Rate and review on iTunes. We're also available on Stitcher and Podomatic. Kevin, it has been an absolute thrill to come into your office. Yeah, thank you so much. And it was talk great about talking to you. Life, the universe, and everything in front of pictures of one of my heroes, truthfully, Mr. McMahon, uh, both on and off camera. Brooke Shields in the corner too. I just saw that. Man, this office is fun. I see McNeil with a goatee in the corner. I'll take pictures and make fun of that later. Uh, No, seriously, thank you for letting me come into your office and and stew you away and and talk about all this. My pleasure. Have a great day. We'll do it again. That's been the Knapsack Files. We'll catch you next time.